0: that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey you guys, welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I am not sure, what episode is this going to be with my beautiful friend? I think it's going to be 38. Let's call it, I could be wrong, but let's call it episode 38 of the Karen Kenny Show. And I am here today with you guys with my, my friend and also, uh, interestingly, one of my current spiritual mentoring clients and I've never had a client on the show so this is wicked exciting. <laughs> <It's> really <laughs> fun. So this is Stacy Kreklo. and Stacy some of you who are listening might totally know who she is. She's kind of a little bit I think she's a little bit of a local celebrity because she is one of the founders and owners of Ohana Kitchen. And there's three now, three locations. I'll let her tell you about that. But there's one in Portsmouth, Exeter, and now Newburyport. Uh, so she's a hardcore like entrepreneur. And she used to work for uh, Flatbread for like 18 years. I'm just giving you the gist. I'm going to read her official bio because I always like to make sure I'm doing it right. But fellow masshole, uh, yeah, masshole in the house from Amesbury, Mass., which makes me look <laughs> at She's married to her sweetie, her husband, Jay. She also has. A young daughter named Prudence, who we call Prue. uh, And she also has an adorable Wheaton Terrier named Henry, who I'm a little obsessed with. Um, She lives in Portsmouth. Uh, Here's the thing, though. She spent 18, over 18 years working on culture-based sustainable restaurant group called the Flatbread Company. And during this time, she became wicked passionate about employee culture, community focused business practices. We're gonna talk about this too. And she helped create the management leadership program for the nationwide brand, which tells you she's a wicked smarty pants, okay. Um, This led her into her passion with business and leadership coaching, and she works with entrepreneurs and upcoming business leaders. Um, In 2017, they opened their first um, one, their first Ohana Kitchen in Portsmouth. Then um, in, let's see, beginning of 2018 or 19, they opened their second location to Exeter in Newburyport. And just so you guys know, if you haven't been there, check it out. I always get excited about Ohana because what they do is they create these delicious poke, poke, poke bowls. I, I don't know. I, wanna, I always want to call them poke, <laughs> poke bowls. And uh, she has vegan options. So score a win for the vegans. Um, and let's see. And the restaurant is, has care towards environmentally friendly practices. And something we're going to dive into that is a big passion of Stacey's, servant leadership culture. So, Stacy Cracklow, thank you so much for being my guest <laughs> on the Karen Kenny
1: Show. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Karen. I'm so excited and so honored, and I can't wait to jump in.
0: Yeah. So, first of all, let's just start off. Let's just start at the beginning a little bit, which is you are also a kid from Massachusetts. And it's funny because mm-hmm. like a couple of our other friends, but one of them, Jessica Todd, JT, who's a really good friend of yours, is also a fellow Masshole. And we kind of like laugh a lot about how, you know, so many of the kids that we know from Massachusetts, we're just like kind of like natural underdogs. Like You know, we kind of come from these circumstances that maybe aren't ideal. (laughs) And we're a little scrappy. We tend to be a little scrappy. We tend to be a little resilient. I I call it hottiness. We tend to have a certain kind of hottiness to us. So I would love to talk about this story of like, I often say, you know, knowing part of knowing where you're going is you gotta know where you're coming from. And I think for a lot of us blue collar kids, where we came from um, gets deeply embedded, I think in our work ethic in our attitudes and the way that we approach things. So can you just tell us a little bit about your origin story, where you came from, what things kind of look like, and how did you become like this little masshole kid with the odds stacked against you to now having like this little Ohana kitchen empire. So talk to us a little bit about that.
1: So, well, first off, I love my Massachusetts people. Yeah. I do. <laughs> and it's so, it's so funny. My husband is uh, born and raised in New Hampshire. And so there's been moments where I get a little feisty and I'm like, oh, that's just my Massachusetts coming out. That's just me. That's just my mass. <laughs> Um. So second off, I think how... Sorry, Karen, you're breaking up a little bit on here. Oh, I didn't say anything. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I didn't say good. anything, though. I think it might right, be on great. your end. Yeah. Great. So okay. I, I didn't say anything. So just tell so, can
1: you hear um, me. My, great. Yeah, I can hear you perfect. Cool. Great. So, my, orig, my origin, uh, I was born in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Um, 1980, that's my age, um, <laughs> to my mother, at, my mother who was 16 years old. Wow. Which is, a you know, we can go into that of later on kind of with, with, with everything. So 16 years old, um, living, um, living at the time in Amesbury, Massachusetts, where my parents were. Um, by the time uh, my brother and sister were born... They were born within the next three and a half years. So with all of that, by the time of 21 years old, uh, there was three of us with my mother um, and my father at the time. Yeah. And so starting, I think starting with, you know, for me, I don't really have the earliest memories of that time. But um, later on, years later, I'll tell you, I started watching 16 and Pregnant because I thought that that's where I was going to get my information from. I was like, I'm going to learn what happened to me on this MTV reality TV show, but uh, that's another, it's a joke. But uh, yeah, so I was 16 growing up there. They got a lot of help at that time from my, um, my, father's, grand, uh, my father's mother and um, living, living up here in um, like aunts and uncles and things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, by the time my brother and sister were born too, my parents had been married and divorced to each other twice. So that's an interesting little. Yeah, so they
0: basically got married. So how old was your dad? Do you remember when you were born? Do you know how old he it was? He was in his early
1: twenty early twenties.
0: Okay, yeah. so early twenties. You basically have what I always say, like because that's what it was like for a lot of us back then. You had babies. You know, my mom had me when she was twenty. I uh, had my sister. I think when she was like eighteen, right? So uh, it's mm-hmm. like babies raising babies. Mm -hmm. So then you can tell there's like this push-pull with them because married, divorced, married, divorced. So not a lot of stability in your earliest, basically, developmental years.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, as years go by, um, they were divorced again, and my father joined the Army. So it was my mother at that time with just the three of us. Oh, my gosh. And at at one point... at one point we were we were, we were were taken away from her and put into foster homes because she couldn't support us and it wasn't a healthy environment. Mm-hmm. So at that point, foster care, and then um, for about a year and a year in our lives. And now these are my earliest memories. So right. five and so, six and uh, seven years old. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you were in the foster yeah. care and is, are there any special circumstances other than, and it doesn't mean there has to be, but other than your mom just being wicked young and having our hands full, yeah. you know? What, so what, what ends happening? up
1: happening? Yeah. So we find out years later, um, I knew kind of at an early age that something wasn't quite right. Yeah. Something wasn't quite right with my mother. So there's a lot of memories, but we found out years later that she was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia.
0: Oh my gosh. Right. So,
1: so during that whole time, also having children at a young age and kind of battling a lot of um other from addictions to mental health um, mental health um, problems it's it's it kind of all combined. It came out years later when we were in our teenage years when we started to really um, understand it a little bit more yeah um, so having that and and we didn't know there was also some back and forth from foster care then to grandparents then flying across the country to Washington back to Massachusetts to then my aunt um, who is uh, one of the most amazing women and I couldn't talk more um, more highly of her and how much I love and adore her kind of took us all in with her three children so in Amesbury and that's we get there and then we go back with my mother for a little bit and that's when it was discovered that there were some, some things happening. Yeah. Mental illness. Uh Uh-huh. And you know, it's when it's, it's hard when you have, she was a very charming, really beautiful woman. And sometimes that can mask mental health, mental, mental health issues. It can be really tough. And so with the three of us, we kind of became a, a three, you know, three musketeers we really leaned on each other. My brother and sister are both younger than me. So but did you we kind, kind of, of become more family.
0: like the mom figure in some ways? You started taking care of everybody in some ways? Were you the protector? Yeah. You know what I
1: mean? I definitely would say that. You know, I would say that. I think they might too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we, oh, we um, yeah, the, the three of us were kind of all we had, you know, the three of us as siblings. Um, having my aunt and having her come back in and be with us and have the three of us. And then my six, my, there were six of us with my three other cousins. Sure. Um, that was one of the more like happier, stable times in my life. And I look back, even though we were crammed into little bedrooms, sharing four of us to a bedroom, three of us to a bedroom, um, yes. for those couple of years, those were the most stable kind of years in my upbringing. Um, from there, my father, um, got out of the army and then got um, parental, uh, you know, custody of us when I was around nine years old. So mm-hmm. it's kind of meeting him for the first time in a way, even though we had known him when we were younger, it, yes. was, it was a whole new world. So he, he moved up to Amesbury and we, uh, we jumped in um, and started living with him living with my, I would end up at my aunt's a lot too, but we kind of went back and forth and that's how we ended up in Amesbury. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: again, not a, not a lot of consistent stability. So I'm curious as to like, I can just, I can, you know, I only know my own story and what that experience was for me after my mother was killed and having a wicked unstable childhood and then going in to move in with an aunt and uncle who were like strangers to me. And I was with them for like four and a half, five years before I went off to college and I know what my own coping mechanisms were like, however, I was trying to navigate it, some internal, some external. So was, what was, how would you say like, what were your, um, you know how I talk about like, try to move through the world but nothing to attack, defend or approve, right? Yeah. But when we're young kids and we're just like shit, like everything is a mess, there's nothing reliable. Like, you know, I know for me, like I started to develop like a touch of OCD cause I was trying to control everything just to feel safe. So I'd be curious mm-hmm. if you're cognizant of, or if you remember, you know, and I was like, I started drinking too young and I started doing drugs too young and smoking and trying sex and doing all these things. So was there any kind of uh, repercussion or consequence or choices that you were making that started to reveal themselves? I, I don't think I know this answer about you yet. Like if there were particular things that you did.
1: You know, I, I, I think going around, I had this need to prove, even as a young age, that I was good enough, that I was, you know, lovable, that I, um, because I think we all just wanted that, that love that we, and that stability that we just didn't have as children. It never really felt safe as a child. We didn't know where we were going to be the next day, or what person we were going to, where we were going to go, or who we were going to see, or how long we were going to stay in one place, and so when I felt that stability, when I felt, when I had that, I was like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can. So I stay here and these, and the people that are in my life give me this love and they, um, they, they keep us safe. So I'm going to be the, the, the best, the best kid ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Know? So I'll would you? Room,
1: I'll do this. I'll listen, you know?
0: Yeah. So would you call mm-hmm. it, um, so the three things that immediately popped into my head. I just want to see if any of them ring true for you. Perfectionist, people pleaser, and overachiever. Any of those?
1: Yeah, all three. Yeah. (laughs) All three. (laughs) I would say all three. I mean, um, sometimes the perfectionism, you know, would be overwhelming. It was almost like it became the opposite for when I was like, I'm just not going to, you know, do that. The people pleasing is definite. But the perfectionism came up a lot. It comes up in my work. It comes up in my um, comes up over and, and over and over in my life. Yes. The people pleasing comes up over and over and over in my life as well. And that's something where I just who, who was uh, someone was just talking um, recently. I heard about how we needed this person needed a pretty bow after every conversation with something. If it was a hard conversation, there needed to be a pretty package at the end, right? To be like, okay, everything's fine. I felt I, that, that touches me so much. I have yeah. such a hard time with leaving things how they are and yes. not fixing them. Yes. So fixing, fixing, and it's something that comes up and comes up and that I have to kind of be aware of and know, okay, I'm doing that again. Maybe this isn't for me to fix.
0: Yeah. Because sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like I need it to look, whatever the word is, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but whether it's complete or it has to be smooth and clear no rough edges i just mean emotionally like how a thing feels like if anything feels like it's not settled or smooth or okay like that can like get in your head like for somebody with because i Mm -hmm. I totally relate on on so many levels to a lot of this i'm just kind of like laughing about it but it's like (laughs) yeah i just want it to be a nice neat little bowl i just want it to be wrapped up and it's okay because we, you can't feel, for those of us who grew up not feeling safe, that's mm-hmm. a really big thing. Like, we're okay, right? Like, everything's okay, right? Like, just, you know, we just want everything to be like, and people, yeah. who, at home, people <laughs> who are listening and not watching. I'm doing these things with my hands. Like, it's all just okay. It's all just, like, smooth. It's all just, like, good. Because it's unnerving. There's an unsettled, there can be an unsettled path. So, so much of my own work, like over the years in my spiritual work is exactly what you said. Um, I am a compulsive helper, right? And I love to fix. I love to step in and be helpful, right? And be valuable and bring value and do all these things. And yeah, as part of my work that I do in the world, it's important and it's great. But at some point, exactly what you said, you have to realize like, oh, this one, this isn't for me to fix. Mm-hmm. There's no making this situation into a tidy bow. And it's yeah. learning to get comfortable with what is exactly what you said, just how things are. Yeah. It was what it was. Thank There's you. no, about, like. in a lot of 12-step programs, they have a great saying that says you can't build a better past. Yeah. <laughs> it was what it was. You know what I'm saying? Um, So
1: powerful. I know it's, it's daily, it's, that's a daily practice for me, you know, especially uh, with um, even holding people accountable um, for work related things or just um, boundaries in my life, um, creating those saying no to people was really hard for many years.
0: Yes. It like, it ate me alive.
1: It's yes, 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 yes because I, you know, that need, that need to be liked and that need to be accepted and loved. And that's how I thought, you know, I, that's how I was subconsciously getting the love that I like wanted.
0: Yeah. So this is so powerful. So walk us, walk us through how you go from this kid who's like, kind of like ricochet rabbiting all over, like, you know, Massachusetts, like going here and then going here and then flying out there and coming back. And then at some point it's like, you know, you're not that old. So you, how old are you right now? 36, mm-hmm. 37. I always want to say 39. How old are you?
1: I'm thir- I'm, I'm 39.
0: Okay. So you're 39, mm-hmm. but you spent 18, over 18 years with flatbread. So you got yes. in there pretty young. So how does this kid who's got like, you know, the, the unsettled home life, you know, you, you had a beautiful auntie who was caring for you, but dad is kind of like, you know, all over the place. Your mom is schizophrenic, all these things, these siblings, these, there's like all this stuff. And then 18 years in flatbread. So there's a missing chunk. Like what happens? How do you step into the entrepreneurial world or the, the business world, the corporate world or whatever you want to call it, not entrepreneur. You became an entrepreneur, but when you were working for this other company, like how did that happen?
1: You know, I, I wanted, I started working at a young age and, um, I loved responsibility again. People pleaser, so I was like, "Oh, I, yeah, I'm gonna do this," and I was like, "Oh, you know, I, I we never had a lot of money, yes. ever. You know, my my, and my father. You know, a side note for my father. My my father kind of, he was so young and coming out of the army, and all of a sudden having these three children, he did the best he could. He always did, and 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 I I believe that." Um, it's hard having three kids that come from a lot of there's trauma and and all of this. There's, you know, you've said it before as people, we are, um, you said it to me and I'm not going to say it so eloquent eloquently, but, um, or how you say it, but, um, we're very complicated as people. And I mean, children are too, especially coming from the background of which we came from. Yeah. So, um, kind of going, you know, for me again, train, I go to work. I wanted to work. I was babysitting at an early age. I wanted responsibility. I loved playing sports. I was, you know, there's a lot of stuff of proving myself that I wasn't, I wasn't my, um, I wasn't my circumstances. I think at a young age, I I didn't, you know, there was a lot of this kind of masking and hiding of where I came from. And, uh, it was one of those things. Like I want people to judge me or look at me, you know, as who I am. And this is at a young age. I can remember thinking that at like 11 years old, you know, I'm in the fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade of like showing up and wanting to, um, Wanting to be who I was and not be judged from where I came from. Because you can feel that as a kid. You can feel that early on as a kid, as a child. Can you know, the other, yeah.
0: Can I ask you to to just be specific, um, a little more specific here? <laughs> and really, it's not because yeah. you're not doing a good job. It's just that I'm wicked curious. <laughs> the, inner, yeah. the inner workings yeah. of people, like why man does, I always say, why man does what he does is to me the most like fascinating thing, the inward journey. Like a lot of people always say to me, I'm so surprised you don't like to travel like and go to other places. I like, go, oh, trust me, I travel all the time. Like going <laughs> inward is the most fascinating thing to me. So when you say I wanted to be, you know, kind of like accepted for who I was, like who I was now and not where I came from, those words, not where I came from, it's less yeah. about geography, like being from Massachusetts or being from Amesbury. It's more about those circumstances—is that what you mean?
1: One yes, one hundred percent. It's about the circumstances, you know. There's having—I um, I, couldn't—I couldn't tell someone, oh yeah, my my yeah, my mother, or even you know, I like coming and living with my cousins. I loved my cousins so much, and my aunt, you know, they had my aunt. That was their mother, yeah. and I think that there was that that disconnect, you know, and um, disconnect for me. You know, and then also the, you know, some of the deeper trauma that came from spending time with a schizophrenic mother that when it was just three kids and her. So there's all these instances and things that have happened over and over that I was like, this isn't right, you know, at a young age. Sure. So I think it was a lot of that, you know, I'm not the crazy, you know, like I would think in my head, I'm not the crazy okay. you know, person that I can. Now came we're from. getting somewhere. You now know? we're getting somewhere. That's
0: what I'm talking <laughs> about. So that's what I'm saying. So it was more about like, because you felt if people knew, this is like a Mad Lib, you know, when you fill, in, yes. you fill in the little thing. So you, if what was your little brain thinking? Like if people know that I have a schizophrenic mom and I kind of bounce around and I was in foster care and I live with my auntie and I love my auntie and my auntie loves me, but she's not my birth mom. She's not like my mom. There's that, that little disconnect. And then you're aware of like, oh, well, my cousins, this is their mom. Like all these, there's so many dynamics, Stacey, in your younger years, right? So, but what's the hatbeat? What's the crux of that? I don't really want them to know my past because they will what?
1: Yeah, I think it would be judge me or not love me or not want to be around me. Yeah. And I would feel alone, alone and scared. Ah, yeah, you know, as a child, yeah. you have that, you feel that. And we felt that you know we definitely did and i say we you know i shouldn't be saying my brother and sister and myself because we all have our own perceptions um, of what everything that happened 100%. you know for me i can only speak from my truth and where i'm coming from but it was it was definitely that it was this scared little girl who wanted to be loved
0: yeah. 100% and you know mm-hmm. we talk about this because as as i said at the beginning if you're just tuning in you know stacy is is one of my mentoring clients and I'm obviously not going to reveal like anything we've talked about, but I can say very generically. You know, we've we've talked a lot about that. Um, when something is bubbling up in your life, we often talk about like, okay, who's really reacting to this or responding to this stress or whatever? Is it 39 year old Stacy mm-hmm. who totally has her shit together and like is so amazing? <laughs> Uh, is it the defensive teenage, what, whatever age? You know, I call mine Vicky with the two Ks from Lawrence. We've all, you know, heard me talk about her. But there's this really younger version of you, that little girl, and I often mm-hmm. talk about how, in the work that I do, you know, people will often say to me, "Oh." Um, you only work with adults, right? Because people have said to me, would you work with my daughter? Or would you work with so-and-so? And we talk about their ages and where they're at and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, so you don't really work with kids. And I say, oh, well, I mean, technically, technically I work with quote unquote adults, but what I'm really <laughs> mostly dealing with is little kids. The little, I mean, like they're in big bodies, they're in big adult bodies, but it's so mm-hmm. much of um, the trauma and the stories of our younger years that have not been, resolved yet or looked at with a new perspective or a new light so this is you know so much of the work that we do so i have so much compassion like as you're talking about this younger version of you because you did you did with so many and i I could look at jessica todd it's the same thing you do with so and so many so many powerful women that we know is when we when we come and like who on some level i always jokingly say who didn't have a fucking hard childhood right yeah exactly
1: the circumstances
0: (laughs) are different but that little girl though was like um like that she's still with you but you know there's so much determination in your story. It's like mm-hmm. I even at a young age like you're like I'm not going to let this hold me back. Right? Yeah. And it was part of actually the fuel that was like driving you forward and just one of the things I want to acknowledge is that not getting um And this isn't to say that your mom didn't mother you at all or that your auntie wasn't, you know, a really great, um, you know, surrogate mom or anything like that. But when you don't get the kind of mothering and stuff that you need as a little kid and you become really aware of it, let's just call it parenting, not just mothering, right? When you don't get the kind of parenting that you need. um, For you, it actually reflects in what an incredible mom you are now, though.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I... I, um, I I I look back on different times in my life and there was definitely amazing women who stepped into my life at different times. Yeah. And I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful that I was able to hear them when I did. Yes. At different moments. Me
0: too. And there's double A men hands. Yeah. Yeah. Read it. One hundred
1: percent. And so I had I had some really pivotal moments, 13, 15, 16, you know, that were removing of women that stepped in and had conversations with me. And and I was there and I, and I I had people that I could look up to and see and and be like, oh, that's what a mother is. That's what a mother does. Yeah. And, you know, even um, when my husband and I got pregnant with Prudence and we were so excited and Um, We couldn't wait. There was still that, you know, that little piece, don't get me wrong, that little piece of, oh, I didn't have a mother, you know, my actual biological mother, all I saw from her was this, you know, obviously this mental illness. Yes. And um, there's always that, there was still a little bit of a fear, you know, and, but what I'm so grateful for too, is that I have this opportunity once I saw my baby, to be the, the best mom that I could possibly be. Believe me, we all mess up sure. <laughs> and we're all crazy. Sure, sure. But I, but I feel, um, I, I, I'm so grateful that I have her and that I get to be a mother. Yeah. It's, it's-, it's changed my life.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. So I always say, you know, be the adult, even like, I don't have human kids, but um, I have furry kids, but I do, I have spiritual (laughs) daughters. I have spiritual kids, Mm -hmm. right. You know, who like call me their spiritual mom and stuff like that. Um, And I always say, you know, we have to become the parents, the adults that we needed when we were kids so that that trauma yeah. also doesn't we deal with our shit right we face our shit and we deal with it and we heal it and you know we we do the work so that it doesn't get passed on like the buck stops here you know and exactly and to circle back because i we we, we kind of yeah. wander that's what happens on this yeah. show so you said that um you know how how like this kid <laughs> from this background <laughs> ends up as like a rising star at flatbread because i think okay. you were also correct me if i'm wrong you were one of the few women like at that company, like we're, we yeah. tell us about that. Yes. So you were always working, you were babysitting, mm-hmm. you had gigs, but then big, <laughs> what happened?
1: Yeah. So I, I started working at flatbread. I was in high school uh, <laughs> and I was a senior in high school.
0: I love and that. so I was, it was
1: crazy. And it was, you know, I was, I was also, I did, a, I played a lot of sports in high school chorus and uh, you know, I was involved in everything. Yeah, And, um, but I also was like, I need money. We don't have money. (laughs) So I need to, you know, I want to go to college. I want these things for myself. And, um, so I jumped in and I was there and I got a job the first day I was there and thrown in. And, um, what did you do? What was
0: your first job? I was, I was
1: was working in the kitchen. So I was, I did everything. I dishwashed. I, I, uh, I expedited pizzas out to customers. I ended up moving my way up in the kitchen and be able to assemble sometimes. And so I, lo- I loved it. You were literally
0: on site, like front of house, back of house. Like you were in the restaurant business.
1: Yes. At, a, at, house 18, house. at 18 years old. Yeah. I love it. So I was in the, I was really in the back, like in the kitchen for a bit. And then- Really, I had a really wonderful um, manager that worked there, and he was like, oh, you know, we should move you. We should move you up front. We should do that. I moved for a little bit. I went to California for a, a short stint because I was like, I'm going to go to California because I'm going to I'm gonna get free tuition if I'm here for six months. Um, so I ended up, um, you know, coming back and he's like, I don't know. And he, I was like, you need to hire me back. I want to work here. (laughs) He's like, the second time you come in, the quicker they leave. And I'm like, not me. I'm going to work here forever. It was almost forever. It felt like, but I came back and then just, I worked and I worked my way up and I always was, I saw, I saw potential. The company only had one store and then it was multiplying and I saw potential in a company that I love to work for. I felt I got a lot of, um, at that time, a lot of my self-worth from working there. I felt really good working there, and I got a lot of praise, and I loved it, and I loved that leadership role, being able to be in charge. I was a supervisor by 20. I started, you know, just, I was like, there's potential. This company could go just crazy and open up, you know, a million stores. They haven't done that, but um, so I kind of jumped on board and uh, started traveling. And I dropped out of college to take my first big promotion there, yeah. and ended up becoming a manager in the Portsmouth, New Hampshire location. And then I worked my way up into. I worked in Hawaii. That's where I got my Hawaii background, and my yeah. sister's out there now. And, um, moved out there. I lived in Boston for them, opened restaurants, helped with franchise development, did a, did a lot with the company. Ended up working for their corporate the last 12 years I was there, um, which I loved. I loved my job. And I got, I wore so many hats.
0: You were so clearly really good at your job. And, were, and they rewarded mm-hmm. you, right? It sounds like they knew Definitely. what they had in you.
1: Mm-hmm. They were, it was, it's a really, it was a really incredible company to work for. And, um, you know, during the time I was there, um, I definitely was the young, one of the youngest and then, and then not so young by the time I left, but (laughs) women employees, uh, managerial employees. So, and then I was again at the corporate office for years, I was the only woman. So the only woman that worked for the, um, corporate, the regional managers, um, the executive, um, the executives, and I was the only woman. So yeah. that was kind of where we got that um, at different times uh, different women would come in, which I love and adored or worked those worked some when I was on maternity leave um, and then back. but um, when I left um, a, another great woman in my life who uh, worked with me for many years took my job, which was really exciting. Oh yeah, so, I mean, you told me that, that story
0: good. how mm-hmm. like she you you yeah. were like getting ready to. Um, you knew that, you know, spiritual team had given you the instructions, like we're moving on to whatever the next adventure is. Yes. And you basically, uh, had this really great person, like step in and, you know, kind of fill your shoes in a way. Yeah. So well, she winning. kind of, she,
1: she, she told me like, I don't know, five years previous, she sat down with me and I said, what do you want to do with your life? I'm like, where do you want to go? What do you want to her? And I was her regional manager. And she looked at me, She's like, I want your job. And I was like, ah. I looked at her and I was like, okay, I'm going to give you, you're going to get my job. And I remember sitting there and telling her that because I knew I wasn't going to be here forever. I knew, you know, I could do some other things. I had other goals and dreams. Yes. And that was something that I, it, it felt made me feel so great when she got the job and I was so proud of her because she was the best person for the position. And but she, she had like a
0: great, she had a great mentor. She had a great yeah. person grooming her and leading her and like, you know, in some ways holding her hand and, and doing that. And it's so important. Don't you think it's so important? Like, cause here's, here's a pointer to your character. She could have said that. And if you had been a different person, that would have been threatening to a lot of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you were just like, like you said, you're like, okay, let's do this. And then like you knew (laughs) you were going on to other things. So I think that that's really beautiful about supporting other people's dreams. And the fact that you Mm -hmm. had um, enough confidence to know like, okay, I have other things I'm called to do. So walk us through because this is a place where a lot of uh, want to be entrepreneurs or about to be entrepreneurs or people with their big dreams and their big whys and all this stuff. They're in a place where they're getting paid consistently. They're fucking good at what they do. They know the rules. They know the game. Super safe, safe. Now, one of your driving forces in life is, I want to feel safe. Yeah. And then you're like, have this super safe job. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to go into entrepreneurism which which all bets are <laughs> All bets are off. So how does that happen when you go from the cushy eighteen plus years to I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice and see what happens?
1: Yeah, um, a lot of self work. Yeah, a lot of self work. I mean, the last, you know, I I am like I'm such a, a I'm such a proponent I with getting yourself a coach. And like I had a coach for seven years before, even before I met you and yes. we, we knew that. And, uh, I was so lucky to have that. And, um, but I also, I did a lot of, I worked, I mean, so much self-work, it's crazy, <laughs> you know, and so much self-worth, you know, and, and all the stuff that comes up is like the little, the little me, the little girl me, and now the 39 year old me, um, there was so much stuff that I had to I kind of had to say, you know, it, it was it was like insanity. I was doing the same things over and over. I felt I I, I got to a point where it was all of my self worth was my job. Yes. And so and then when and that can be debilitating, you know. Mm-hmm. It can be anxiety and depression and all of these things. And this was years ago. And this wasn't even for my my own company. But I felt I was so connected to it and. You know, that's why I love Flatbread because they're really good at, at um, really putting a great purpose there where people feel incredibly connected and they treat people well. So that's why they have employees that stay there for 18 years, you know. So anyways, I'm there and I needed to do, I, I, I ended up getting a coach, had a wonderful coach who I worked with um, for all these years and worked on myself and really started figuring out I'm not my job. I'm yes. not my form. You know, I'm not, I'm not all of these things. Yes. And um, I started to be like, started to, that's when I had that conversation with, um, with the manager when I was like, let's do this. Maybe four years previous, she had said that I'd be like, no way. What are you talking about? You're <laughs> going to take my job. This is crazy. You know, but all the self work and the self worth is my self worth went up and my, my like the work and the practice and the daily practice and things that I was, I was doing and looking at all of a sudden I I felt, you know, that things were limitless for me. Yeah. Things they started add. opening up. Doors started opening up and they're opening up still, like even in bigger ways than I could ever imagine, yeah. you know? And um, I started to figure out what my, like, really what my passion was. And it was working with people. It was working, you know, obviously a restaurant is an incredible vehicle to have that. I wanted to have um, a place where people could work, where they feel appreciated and loved, but they also feel, not like they're just an employee, that they're a person yeah. that I can help them. I can help them outside of where. Where do you want to go with your life? I'm yeah. going to do what I can do to help you.
0: So you basically so, I, I'm, I'm interrupting because I want to yeah. be clear about the restaurant thing because your sweetie, Jay, he he already owned a restaurant or managed mm-hmm. a restaurant or something when you guys met. Yeah. So, he I mean, he
1: it, owned a restaurant for like eight owned years. A restaurant. And, yeah. So
0: who had the idea, and it might be a joint thing, but who was mm-hmm. like, ohana poke bowls let's open a business husband and wife team like which is another (laughs) whole
1: it really is like a late night
0: (laughs) chat you're hanging out and it's like i have an idea like what happened what was the jump into the did you were you straddling worlds for a little bit or were you
1: i was i was straddling words for worlds for a little bit um but, you know, I, we had a dear friend that lived in Hawaii as amazing chef, this woman, Gretchen, who came, she came to visit us with her daughter and was like, you guys, they're doing poke in New York City. This is like four years ago. She's like, poke and sushi burritos. You guys should do that. And we're like, <laughs> oh. and Jay and I, Jay and I, we love, uh, we would sit down and, and, and kind of bounce back and forth uh, restaurant ideas because we've always loved restaurants, we love food, we're both, that's our, you know, he's a political science graduate major from UNH, he's in the restaurant business, I mean, we kind of, we had this funny thing, but we just both loved it so much, so we've had different ideas and different business plans that we had talked about, and we knew after our daughter hit a certain age that we were going to want to open something, and we wanted it to feel, um, we wanted it to feel really wonderful, we wanted it to be you know, healthy. We wanted it to be quick. We knew all of these things and we had an obsession with poke. So he started right. coming to Hawaii with me for, um, I mean, over 10 years ago, every year we would go and we'd spe- we'd spend time with my sister. We would go out there with my friends and family. Cause I ran a restaurant up there for a couple of years. years and we would literally land on after 15, 16 hours of traveling. And we go to the nearest grocery store and eat poke in our car. <laughs> we would literally sit in Hawaii, not even look anywhere, and we just eat the poke. So it was already a passion of ours. We made it at home for ourselves. We loved it. We started to kind of see it happening. Being pregnant, I was like, I want something quick and healthy. There was no options. Yes. There was zero options for us to get that. So it in New she Hampshire. Kind of... You mean here in New Hampshire? Yeah, in New yeah. Hampshire. Yeah. yeah. And it was really hard for us, even in Portsmouth. And so when we decided we were going to do it, Uh, when our friend Gretchen came out and said, you guys, and we're like, whoa, how have we not thought of this? This is what we need to do. And it it made perfect sense. It was instant. It took us about a year of us really planning and looking at it. He really took the lead. I just had a baby and I was working at Flatbread. And then with my coach that I was talking with, um, you know, I, I kind of gave him, I said, here's the thing. I want to be financially stable I want us to be, me to be making more money than I'm making now. I want our business running um, in one year. And within one year, I had given my notice at Flatbread, which I love them so dearly. Um, but I gave my notice, which was hard after 18 years. I and bet. Then,
0: I and bet, then especially had my, as a former people pleaser, right? I mean, that oh, it was so hard. It was the, so it
1: the, was the first deal. time I'd ever quit a job. It was my only job I'd ever had my whole life. Oh my God. So I'm like, oh, I have to leave. And so um, we had opened up Portsmouth about five months previous. And then we jumped, we jumped all in. We knew that we wanted to open multiple locations within
0: a year. You guys <clears throat> knew what you wanted to do. You're like, mm-hmm. we're going to open one. Then we're going to open three. Mm-hmm. And now, like, here you are. Like, third location yeah. just opened up. And mm-hmm. interestingly, I just want to hear what this was like. You mm-hmm. opened up. In your hometown, like where you were born. Yeah, so that's like a homecoming like that to me is like a flagship moment where it's like, holy <laughs> shit, like coming back to my humble beginnings. So can you just talk to us like maybe a little bit if, if you feel comfortable? Yeah. Like what? What was that like to be like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. like I'm coming home. Did you must have felt I imagine really vulnerable?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, so we opened up a new report, which is right next door to Amesbury, but I was born in new report, but it was, you know, it's something that actually you and I worked on, I feel like, and and you're mentoring with me, it was such a big moment, and I was so vulnerable, and it was um, all the old stuff, all the time, and all the practice, and all the self-work, and all of the stuff that I had worked on kind of, it was all coming up again. (laughs) So it was really, I was like, Oh, are they going to like me? Is this good? Like, is this going to, you know, are people going to be happy? Are people going to love it? And, um, it was really funny that these questions that before I'd be like, Oh yeah, everybody will love it. You know, before I'm like, it's, it's right here. I'm snapping my fingers. I'm like, it's great. We love it. So everyone has to, but, um, But yeah, it was, it was really, it was scary, but so incredibly exciting. And when we, when we had our opening party and we invited a bunch of friends and family and people came down, it was one of the most joyous moments that I can, you know, I can ever recall in business, at least, you know, in some and just in my life. And I was so, uh, I was so proud and happy to be doing it with my husband because, he's so great and he works so hard and he was so happy. And then with all of our friends and family there and everyone kind of a lot of our friends too, helped us, you know, they helped us with the design to the um, logos that we do for the website that we've done. I mean, we have so many amazing people that show up for us over and over. And it was one of those moments that I got to, I I got to thank everyone in front of a whole crowd. And and it just, it felt It felt amazing. Yeah. But it was, it was so scary. It was way scarier than Portsmouth and Exeter. And I love Portsmouth and Exeter, but it was, oh yeah, these are the people that I grew up with. These are the people that see me and that have known me since I was that little girl.
0: Yes. So there's lots of, there's lots of layers here. So, um, I want to talk about, um, I mean, I could, we could break that whole thing down and talk about that, but I want to just make sure because I'm, you know, so much of this show is definitely, it's about spirituality, it's about storytelling, Um, you know, and part of, obviously part of the work that, you know, we do in spiritual mentoring together is, because it's not like, like, I always laugh, like people think like spiritual, spiritual work, this work is lifelong. It's not like, oh, dealt with it, solved it, because you'll be, it's just like grief, how grief suppresses surprisingly appears right yeah. these moments and you're like oh this again it's like yeah the grief is like this you know it's a it, it's a visit it will come and visit you whenever it wants to and i think mm-hmm. it's also there's so many um the body i often say the body has its own story to tell mm-hmm. so right the cellular memory of your childhood stories in the subconscious, in the DNA of sorts. Right. Mm -hmm. So here you are, like going back to the homestead or like the home court, like, you know, where like the young asshole, like did her thing. And it's like, it's (laughs) kind of this thing of like, Oh, opening up here is like, you know, kind of a big deal. And now Mm -hmm. I've got to kind of look at this and I've got to do it. But that's really what everyday life is, is we're constantly I always say the last podcast I did is called The Consequence Consequence of Being of Yourself. Being yourself yeah. <laughs> so, so every good. day we're dealing with the consequence of being ourselves, right? And whether mm-hmm. it's yourself from your past or mm-hmm. how you're showing up right now or how you showed up yesterday or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this being human, like there's never, never a dull moment. But the beautiful thing about you is that you consistently, I always talk about clients like, and I'll say, um. One of my friends said to me the other day, people talk about this all the time. Like, what are your ideal clients? Like, what are some of the characteristics of your ideal client, KK? And I'm like, one of the top things is, you know, and I could be really like, go totally asshole and say, I don't want them to be fucking whiny. And I want them to be a hard worker. And I want them to not be afraid to make an investment in themselves. Like put some skin in the game, motherfucker. You know, like, and it's all those things. But if I said it in a more compassionate and gentle way, it's like, they're not afraid to do the work. Mm -hmm right? They're not afraid to invest in themselves. They have enough of a glean of their, their value now that they're like, I'm worth this. I'm going to take this, right? I'm going to show like, they have a spiritual, they have a connection to something. They are an awareness of something. Like there's all these things, but you are definitely, I've told you this, we've been working together for going on uh, four months. I'm like, but you are like my ideal client. You're (laughs) one of my ideal clients because you're not afraid to face what is arising, you're more curious about, like, and you can, if you say like, oh, that doesn't sound like me, you correct me, but I feel like you'll start to tell me a story and I'll be like, oh, I think I know what's happening here. And I reflect it back to you. And you're always like, welcome to Mm hear. Like, what's, what's like going on? You don't deflect. You're not interested in being a victim. And obviously this desire to, have this work ethic that I love. It's one of the things I often love about blue collar comeback kids, right? Okay. Underdog kids is we're not afraid of a little hard work, which you've shown again and again, and again, but the internal work is different. It takes a lot of fucking courage to face yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does.
0: So I'm just acknowledging that, I guess, is what I'm saying. You don't, it's not, you don't not, if, you, if you want to yes. expound on it, if you want to talk about it a little bit more, you can. So two mm-hmm. things that I want to make sure we bring up, we mm-hmm. hang up is, so you're working in this this corporate culture and something that starts to develop within you is this real passion to help people, um, develop what you call, what servant service leadership.
1: Yep. Servant, uh, servant leadership,
0: servant leadership. So can you just tell me just briefly a little bit about what that is to you and why it's important to you and how you think it plays a role in the success of a business?
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, being, um, being kind of the corporate environment and being around, um, I mean, at one point, I mean, they probably had 800, 1,000 employees, right? And I'm a regional manager, so I have five restaurants. So sometimes there's like 400 employees under under me. And then the managers and assistant managers and all of this. And um, we'd always kind of talked about enlightened management, but you could never kind of put your finger on what that really means. Yeah, so it's and one so, of those
0: words, right? Yeah, enlightened
1: <laughs> yeah. management. Like, what does that mean? I'm kind. That's, yeah, that's good. And, but trying to figure it all out and what what does that mean? And, um, and it was, uh, I was given a book by a coach that was working with us at uh flatbread and who I worked with, um, the servant leadership book. And it was great. It's James C. Hunter. He's, he's great. And, um, I was given this book. I read it and I read a lot of management books and leadership books. And I, I love that I'm such a geek when it comes to that. Time. Like give me all the literature and I'm going to read it um it, but it really resonated with me and i started to figure out i'm like all right this is this is like this is my purpose there's so much not just the servant leadership but helping others and um feeding others i feel like is a really spiritual thing as well feeding people yes. good healthy beautiful food and so i was i was looking at this and i'm like okay this makes sense to me like this is be honest the golden rule care about people hold them accountable but come from a place of compassion. You say it all the time and I think it's I think it's so beautiful. Honesty without compassion is brutality and it's and I love that so much and it's so much of kind of in the servant leadership role and trying to figure out like some people would think oh enlightened management or this that you're just going to a guide once told me you're just going to open the safe and let people steal from you and I'm like that's not even close to what I'm talking about. I'm like, <laughs> well, no. That tells, you, that tells you a little bit about his. Exactly. Own, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it was, um, so kind of starting to hit this and look at, hey, this, the pyramid, kind of this pyramid, like, oh, executives on the top, then the managers, then the employees, then the customers, like this crazy pyramid. And then in servant leadership, they flip it. So all of a sudden I'm on the bottom, right? I'm here to spur <laughs> like, and, I, and I'm fine with it. So I'm on the bottom of the pyramid as an owner, right? And I look at how can I help others, right? So yes. it's almost like it, the employees are at the top and the customers are at the top. So it's looking at this place where I don't need to have all the answers. I can ask questions. I can be curious. People yes. around me are amazing. I don't yes. have to have that anymore. That's servant leadership. Instead, it's, I get to help people. I get to hear. I get to ask questions. I get to let them make decisions. I get to give them autonomy. And this is another great book, Drive, Daniel Pink. And it's autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Giving people these three, th- these three things that were given to me, at kind of a young age or a company I worked with, yes. I had a lot of autonomy. And I was mastering I was getting my master's in business the whole time I was learning so much
0: which speaks to I'm going to interrupt really quick because it Mm -hmm. speaks to this concept of um this importance that that society places on going to college where I think so much of um experience through apprenticeship is so powerful or being in the environment itself like direct so this is what I talk about in spiritual mentoring with um when I always say like I'm not trying to tell you what to think. I'm just inviting you to think, like to think for yourself and to, to have your own personal firsthand experience with God, with the divine, with spirit, because that's how you build faith and trust. Yeah. Not because I told you, but because you found out for yourself Right. And Mm -hmm. so that's what you're really talking about there is you were Mm -hmm. immersed in this thing and you got your quote unquote masters, you became Mm -hmm. masterful by learning on the job in the Mm -hmm. thing. It wasn't like, oh, four years of college, I got the thing. Now I'm able Mm -hmm. to do this thing, which I think, I think Mm -hmm. um, kids who come up from circumstances that maybe they can't afford college. It's such great news. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. It really is. You know, I look at kind of the hospitality industry. I also I sit on a couple boards for them. One is the um, the New Hampshire and Restaurant and Lodging Association Education Foundation. I sit on. And it's really interesting because a lot of these kids, that's who I talk to a lot with Girls Inc. or different, um, going up, I'm going to be in Manchester for a high school boot camp tomorrow, which I'm so excited about, where they're all doing like, um, they're practicing making food and all that, because this is another outlet. There's still like the American dream, kind of, working your way up in a business and learning and being able to be successful and then eventually open up your own business, I mean, It's, um, there's still that avenue of a lot of these things. Yes. Yeah. You're the poster
0: child for that. Like, so that's like, I'm sorry, I got too excited. It's
1: really great. Yeah. It's, it's really wonderful. And I'm so, and so I feel, I feel, um, I, again, I have so much gratitude for where I've come from and everything that I've gone through to get to where I am in my life right now. And I know we can touch upon it a little bit, but even with working with you, Karen, and, um, maybe this is a question coming up. But with my purpose and helping others, it's always been something in servant leadership, something in the last at least 10 years of my life or eight years in my life that I've been so passionate about. But there was always something that was kind of missing. There was still something that was missing. And, um, for me and our work that we've been working on being able, well, first off spiritual daily practice, you know, my meditation and my prayer and, um, and really slowing down and meditate. I mean, meditation has just changed my life. I feel like in so many ways, but then my story, your story to your glory. So I know today is kind of the first time that I've really talked about my, my upbringing and things that have happened to me. And, but you and I have been working on it. And, and, um, this is a story that, you know, that we talked about, but I was at a girls Inc event and I was talking to these young, these young, um, uh, girls who were middle school age oh, and yeah. I was there and helping them prepare um, for you know what what kind of jobs do they want and what do they want to do with their lives and so cool these kids are, they're so, so amazing cool. yeah, and it was so, it was so cool that cool. I had a lot of these one-on-one moments with them and then um, I got invited. What Two of the girls asked if I would go to lunch with them and the, the speakers and the people could go to lunch with the kids. And they said, will you sit with me? And I said, sure. And so I sat at this table with these like five young girls Aww. and one of them started talking and I, and I opened up about my life a little bit. I was like, oh, um, she was talking about her aunt, another thing. And I opened up about... You know, for me being, you know, being going into foster care when I was a young kid and being brought up by my aunt and my, you know, and meeting my dad at a different age and opening up a little bit to the, to these young women, opening up a lot for me. And from that moment, the reality was for me in in seeing this, the difference that I made in that young girl's life was if I hadn't told her that or saw that, you know, oh, what ended up happening, sorry, she, I got a text from my sister-in-law like a week or two later
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she had written this beautiful um, text to me. She had met a woman whose niece was there at Girls Inc. and mentioned my name and said that now she knows what she wants to do with her life and that I had made a big difference in this little girl's life. And so it was such a moment for me. And it made me be like, okay, opening up about my story helped yes. someone, really deeply helped someone. Um, yes. And I started, that's the work that we've been doing of opening up and being unafraid to talk about my life. Yeah, what's gone to your end. Yeah,
0: e- exactly. Because I think so often for really successful people, um, you know, in the past it was like, if there, well, I'm not saying you felt ashamed of where you came from, but mm-hmm. especially if you grew up in a situation where like, well, like a lot of us kids, right? You don't talk about what happens at home or you don't talk about what happens within these walls or that's like, that's, this is private or this is secret. So there's so many levels of why, um, we might not want to reveal, our past or our history. And I, I mean, I just learned as a writer and as a storyteller and as a speaker, you know, the the fastest way that I often connect with people is through storytelling. I I understand uh, and love the power of stories. So when we were, you know, first starting to work together and we, we were talking about this and I, it was so powerful and I was so grateful. I always say like spiritual team on the job, right? But I was so grateful that your courage and your bravery and your vulnerability was so immediately and powerfully rewarded. Because you got yeah. to see that by revealing yourself and mm-hmm. using your voice and telling your story, it was immediately impactful. And that young girl, like you have no idea the miracle that just occurred. You yeah. can't even know, yeah, like you, you have an inkling of it, like, wow, that was really powerful, my God, you know? I got this beautiful text message saying I made it different, and it mm-hmm. feels so great but exponentially that kid could go on to do the most incredible things all because you were you, were, you know, one of the people in her life that fanned the divine spot that lived within her, you know, and by yeah. you going first and by you letting down your walls. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's beautiful and I think it's powerful. And I think in some ways, as successful as you've been in your life in so many ways, Um, I mean, that was one of the things we were talking about. Like when, when we first started talking about, you know, if we're a good fit and working together and all, all this stuff, this is what so many entrepreneurs don't actually realize is that you can have all the money, you can have all the success, you can have the nice house, you can have the fancy this and the fancy that, but if your spiritual life is not aligned. If you are not connected to something, whatever you call it, God, source, I don't care what you call it, spirit, Jesus, Allah, the universe, I'm not attached to what you call it. But if that element isn't being um, recognized, acknowledged, fed, daily spiritual practices or whatever, it will always, there's not enough money in the world to fill that hole Can you hear me? Did you hear my, my?
1: I I didn't hear the last part. There's not enough.
0: Oh, so i was just saying, I was just saying there's not enough money in the world that will fill that missing piece. As you were saying, there was still like this missing piece, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think just like I've often said to, to people who are hiring, hiring business coaches or strategists or doing whatever, it's like, you can do all the strategy stuff in the world. But if your mind is not aligned, if you don't get your mind, your heart and your spirit right, like into a thing, you won't actually be able to take the action because you'll keep Mm self-sabotaging and you won't have like, you know, the mojo Mm -hmm. (laughs) to like really act upon the individual curriculum that's been given to you. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's like, um, so it's, I just think no matter how successful you've already been, I think through this work that you're doing, courageously doing that I I just think we can't even fathom what's going to happen after this with you.
1: (laughs) I know. I I feel the same way. I feel the same exact way, you know, and um, the, the purpose, like for me to look to realize like helping a young girl that's in a similar position that I was at that age and really helping and, and really seeing that and have it come back to me. It's that is it's life changing. It's life changing. You know, we talk about self worth and self work and, and all of this and everything and being connected to the divine and, and all of it. And it kind of all has come to this point for me in my life that I can give back and that I do have, I am where I am. I'm allowed to, I can give back. I am, um, I, I know who and uh, I, I'm feeling my, my impact. Yeah. Which is making, which is making me feel amazing. And obviously I still want to do more and there's more work and there's more stuff to be done and it's daily. (laughs) I know that, but I'm so, this, this, yeah. Two hands up. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, it's really, um, let me, let me just pause. I make sure I, I say this the right way. I think that part of, part of helping others like this is so like people often say like I always try to remind people like everything that I teach everything that I teach it's not because I've got it all fucking figured out every I mean some stuff I've got kind of figured out (laughs) but for me too daily practice right but it's like everything that I teach it's for me too it's for me to hear too (laughs) Reminder to me too so my point being is that by helping that girl and feeling your impact and helping her, it's like, it, that's healing for you too.
1: It's healing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: It's, it's mm-hmm. like that little girl from Amesbury with the mom with the schizophrenia and the not feeling safe and the not knowing. It's like it, you're stepping into your power now. Mm-hmm. And it's, I always say, you're not the way that you are despite what happened to you.
1: Mm.
0: It's because what happened to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful for the shit show of my childhood. Like I look back now, I know I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna speak for you, Mm -hmm. but I I look back now and I just think, oh, the glory, the glory that I get to experience now. And it has nothing to do with material things, but the glory that I get to experience now from coming from my old story, the way I have rewritten my story with Mm -hmm. spirit, with the help of my inner teacher, with my spiritual team, like. What a gift, man. What a Mm -hmm. gift that we get to do this work that we love in the different ways. And I think we get to do it the way that we do it and have a lot of gratitude for it Mm -hmm. because of where we started from.
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: Yeah. Uh. it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: it really is.
0: (laughs) So you want to, is there any final thing? Is there any Mm. final thing that you want to leave our guests with? I definitely um, also want you to tell them how, like where exactly your locations are, like Islington Street, whatever. So you can tell them after that, I'm going to ask you to tell us Um, how to find you on Instagram and Facebook, your website, things like that. But is there any final, and this is like no pressure. It doesn't have to be like, but is there anything that's arising in your heart or in your mind that you want to share to anybody who, who might be um, listening?
1: Yeah, I think um, being open to looking, looking at yourself, honestly, and looking like deep inside and being open to um, to what else is possible. And in our lives, it's been such a, a big life changer for me. And um, I, I used to be so closed off to it. And so, like you said, like, um, we didn't say ashamed, but like, or very much like, oh, let me just put on this perfect, this is how I am. This is the Stacey that I need to be um, to get what, what I need or to get this or to get this, you know, love or to get that. And, um, once I finally started realizing that I needed to be open to, is this, is there another way for me? You know, is this, cause I wasn't feeling so fulfilled. Yeah. Um, so I think to any of like my friends and my family, they hear me talking about coaching. They hear me talking about, um, all of my stuff. I, I put it all out there now. I'm <laughs> like, Oh Yeah. This is what I'm doing. Um, You should be (laughs) open to it. Yeah, we're all here. We're all doing our own thing. But um, for me, I I I was in the right moment in the right time in my life. I started to kind of ask myself um, questions like, "Is this how I want to be? Is this where I want to be? Am I showing up?" And um, that's it. You know, I think just letting people know that anything is possible if you start to really look at you say it, look at your own bullshit, right? You know, and you do that, and I love that.
0: Yeah. Well, because if you, you know, I often say if you're not willing to take a look at your own bullshit, if you, if you insist on keeping up the blind spots to your bullshit, I guarantee you that in some ways you're also having blind spots to your brilliance. And I think that it's important that we're just and this is part of the deep spiritual practices when you understand to whom you really belong to, when you, when you really get that you're a child of God and you're fully innocent and you're fully whole and you're already fully holy, we stop being so afraid to protect and perform and to pretend we totally have it all together. Like I see this thing and, and part of it, we don't even have to go there, but part of it is like the, the, the pressure of social media and appearing a particular way But I've always said like, you know, one of my encouraging things to you was, you know, because I do believe at some point you will be speaking on stages. You will be telling your story more. You will be being asked to be brave in more public ways, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is like the beginning of that. It's like, we're going to start to not be afraid to share our story because we know when you're doing the daily spiritual practices, we know um, who we are. We know that we're lovable and that your past doesn't change that. You know what I mean? It's like, but it has definitely, I always say we don't want it to define you, but it's okay that it informs you and it influences you and it inspires you. And so you're like a total comeback kid, you know, and I, and I love that. And I think it just shows people what is possible. But Mm -hmm. like you said, you have to be a participant Mm-hmm. in it like you have to be willing to go like ooh, I gotta look at some of these like pats of myself that makes me a little uncomfy you know what I mean <laughs> and, uh, and it's beautiful and I think it's powerful and I'm just so grateful for you and I'm so happy that I'm really blessed that I get to work with you it's been uh we're only like three and a half months in and we're <laughs> already it's just like whoa like it's so exciting <laughs> so it's been a, it's a great honor for me too and a total joy and a total delight and uh-huh. um and just knowing I think that um there's a magic that happens when you find, I think, you know, for the people who come to work for you, there's a magic that happens when they find, well, I'll call you the boss, but when they find a boss or a leader who truly sees them, Mm -hmm. who acknowledges them, who um, loves them. Let's Mm -hmm. just go there. I think a lot of people can't have love in business. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's the whole point. 100%.
1: 100%. I say love to my staff all the time. We talk about it in servant leadership of loving one another, agape love. We talk, it's, it's a word I use always. Yes.
0: Yeah. yes. It's so Daily. powerful. And it's, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like the mm-hmm. whole thing, like Ohana, that word means family. Correct? Yeah. So it's like the perfect name for, obviously it, it, you know, speaks to the product, but it's mm-hmm. also the environment in which you've created. Yeah. And thank I think you. you basically created this home. Mm-hmm. And when you think about where you came from, it makes total sense.
1: It's uh, perfect. Perfect. It's thank perfect you. and it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love Karen, thank, thank you so, you so much. much.
0: Stacy. Uh, I just adore you. And will you please tell our listeners how that they can uh, get in touch with you or find you on the social media, et, et cetera? Yeah,
1: yeah. so an um, Instagram, we're... Um, uh, Ohana takeout, At, so you can go right on there, and Ohana Kitchen Takeout. You can take a look on Instagram, um, Facebook. Facebook, we're just Ohana Kitchen, and yep. uh, we're located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We're on 800 Islington Street in the um, 800 Plaza. We're um, in Newburyport, we're on 45-story Ave, so right off the highway. And in Exeter, we're actually on a Portsmouth Ave, not to be confused, but we're (laughs) on 45 Portsmouth Ave in Exeter. Um, All three locations were quick quick serve, takeout, delivery. um, It's a real, like, healthy poke, sushi burritos, uh, sushi bowls, but also vegan, vegetarian, yeah. and uh, all the other good stuff I know.
0: I got so uh, excited when, when <laughs> I got my first uh, bowl of yours, and it was like soy boy, which is really high quality tofu.
1: Yeah, I beautiful. Was, like,
0: I was like, this is so yummy. It's so great. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I appreciate any restaurant that's been given like good, vegan, sustainable option. Oh, Joe, be wow. like so happy. And the, mm-hmm. uh, the website is just... Oh, um,
1: Ohana Takeout and, and Ohana, um, Ohana Kitchen, sorry ohana.kitchen. Ohana so there's dot actually kitchen. and there's no dot com. It's just yep. ohana.kitchen. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Stacey. It's Thank been a pleasure. You. And I Thank so you. appreciate you. And we've talked about this a lot because I know that um, uh, the beautiful Ram Das is near and dear to your heart and I quote him I quote him all the time. I love him. And he is and his his teacher, his guru, um, was uh Neem Karoli Baba. And I know you know this. I'm just for the folks at home. And Neem Karoli Baba used to say something, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something that I've always found beautiful. And he said, um, uh, feed people, serve people, love people, know God. And I think that that's what um, Ohana is doing. So we'll end on, we'll end on that note. And uh, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I wicked appreciate your time. You could be anywhere right now, but you're here with us listening. So we always appreciate that. Thank you. And just know that, you know, I always say it, and it can sound trite. You know, you say something enough times, it starts to feel like, you know, like, oh, she just says this all the time. But I really do mean it, that I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for you for listening. And those of you who share the stories on Instagram, and you tag me, and you let me know that you've got something from an episode, or you send me a little love note, you have no idea how excited I get, because I'm kind of a geek, I'm kind of dorky. And I'm like, oh, my God, they liked it. Like, I get so excited, because I am a helper. And it's one of the things that I love to do. So thank you. So those of you who give me feedback and have left a review or let me know. um, You share it with somebody. It means the world to me. And um, I really do. I may not see you with my eyeballs right now on this show, but in the context that I mean it, I see you and, and I hear you and I feel you and I celebrate you and I appreciate you. And as always, wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E.